Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, I'm Fraser Allen from White Light Media. Welcome to episode 16. The entrepreneurs who get the most attention tend to be the ones who make the most money or build the biggest businesses. But enterprise comes in many forms, and there is often much to be admired beyond size and pecuniary value. A really good example of that is Hannah Taylor. As a young single mother juggling a degree at Napier University with a full-time job, she took the bold, some might even say foolhardy, decision to launch a magazine. Yes, you heard me correctly, a printed magazine, those things that are supposed to be in terminal decline. Inspired by her own experiences as a teenager and watching her daughter grow up, Hannah called the magazine She Is Fierce. The name comes from a line in Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. Though she be but little, she is fierce. The magazine wasn't so much launched on a shoestring budget as half a shoestring, yet the creativity, intelligence and distinctive voice of the publication turned many heads. Remarkably, against all odds, Hannah has since turned She Is Fierce into a full-time job, has an investor on board and big plans for the next steps. It's a really inspiring story that for me represents a triumph of imagination, determination and bringing your vision to life against all the odds. I interviewed Hannah at her home in Edinburgh. Hannah Taylor, editor, publisher of She Is Fierce, which is a magazine, but it's kind of more than that, isn't it? It's a kind of community. It's possibly, maybe I'm taking this too far, but it's almost like an attitude to life. That's the impression I get. And the, the genesis, of, genesis of the project goes way back to when you were at school. So I wonder if you could talk us through how it all began. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, yeah, I guess back in the early days when I was at school, I was definitely a creative soul. Um, but uh, going into high school, I found that my creativity was kind of sucked away by a really unenthusiastic and unsupportive like art teacher. Um, that was definitely my calling, I think, up until P7. And yeah, I just, you know, sometimes when you just don't gel with someone, yeah. that was my experience with my art teacher, which was really sad because, you know, I actually, I was, I, I was scared to put you know, my work, my coursework forward because it would always get, you know, bad marks or she would come back with me with lots of critique and it just really chipped away at my confidence. So coming through high school, I found it really difficult to sort of find my tribe because I was, I was a creative person and I found it very, very hard to be open and upfront with that. So I kind of shied away from it. Um, wasn't, wasn't there an element as well, because we're both from the magazine world, and I, I seem to remember you saying that there weren't magazines out there to kind of spark your imagination. It was all the kind of slightly trashier kind of teenagers. Yeah, mags. yeah, so it was, that, it was those kind of magazines that kind of helped pull me away from my creativity as well, was, um, you know, I kind of looked to the magazines back then as um, essentially like a, like a wardrobe that I would open up and kind of like build my personality around the, the girls that I saw in in those magazines I guess you know like aim it, like really hoping to get those trainers or wear that jumper or you know have an attitude like the Spice Girls you know because that would make me cool and people would really like me but actually what it did was it just made me somebody that I actually wasn't um, it didn't encourage me to be my best self 
Right. Um, it kind of, uh, yeah, I guess it kind of um, it made me conform to what the media was telling me that I needed to be. And I found that at the time, I think it helped me kind of find friends because I felt accepted because I was you know, wearing the right things and listening to the right music when, in fact, in secret, I was listening to, like, old-school hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, just uh, looking back in hindsight, I wonder what my life would have been without the influence right. of the mainstream media. Right. It would be... I think it would be quite interesting to see if I would have found my calling a lot earlier in life. <laughs> So that inspired you to set up your own form of media, which is, is certainly not mainstream. It's very indie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how did that all come about? Um, well, essentially, I um, I became a mum when I was quite young. And it was that that kind of shook my life up. Um, I decided that I needed to become a positive role model for my little girl. And uh, I started then... Um, after many years just sort of bumming about from office to office like doing reception, PA, secretarial work um, that I needed to do something that that really kind of suit, suited my skills I think so I started going to night classes to learn photography because I wanted to take I wanted, obviously wanted really lovely photos of my daughter Sky. And I couldn't afford to get a photographer, so I thought, okay, so I, you know, I was able to get a free course at, uh, I think it was Stevenson College back then, mm-hmm. and was going every Thursday night for a couple of hours and learning how to process um, like black and white photography, like film photography. So that was amazing, and that really started me on a journey to, you know, learning more and trying to find where in the creative industries I should be um, so I done I basically went through every single year trying to do a different night course at college because I was getting them for free because um, I was a single mum and then eventually I got a job in a publisher's office so I worked there for four four and a half years and was I that? was hmm? where was that? Um, it was for a company that produces the football calendars and football annuals oh really so, I yeah. didn't know this was on your CV <laughs> oh really I can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it was really fun so I basically got taken on as like a PA to the guy who was like head of sales and then during this I, I guess because it was annuals calendars they only really come out at Christmas time so there was like waves like peaks and troughs of busyness hmm. in the company so throughout the summer um, everyone who was like on admin would kind of turn their attention to production and we would take um, some ty- titles ourselves and we would uh, like be- become pro- like production managers essentially so my first year I think I'd done three annuals and one calendar and with every year that I was there I was kind of proving myself and getting ad- you know I was adding more sure, to yeah. my you know what I had to my re- what I was responsible for um, and it was that side that I, I just loved it, like dealing with the writers and the designers and, you know, going through all of the images of all of the... Well, it was just footballers, essentially, but... like just you a football fan? <laughs> not really, <laughs> do you know that? Not really at all, but... I, well, in fact, I was going to say I could tell you a thing or two about it, probably. <laughs> um, so that was really fun. Um, and from there, I, I realised my love of 
publishing and print and I know it was only annuals okay. but it actually made me appreciate like books more and you know like bookstores and I kind of got into indie magazines and then I kind of just done a search on the internet for like publishing or that kind of thing mm. and the course came up at Napier and I thought okay you should just take a punt on it I'd never been to uni before it was a master's course which I actually didn't appreciate at the time what that meant I just thought I've I've got no idea what I thought but I knew it was a I knew it was probably um punching you know punching above my weight but I thought I'm just going to go for it um because I, I I didn't have anything to lose mm. so I applied for it and um, surprisingly, I got offered, not on the publishing course, but they were running a magazine publishing course alongside it. Um, and it was brand new. And they were just, I think they were essentially just looking for um, people to come and, and try wow, it out. that was good timing. It was perfect. So I couldn't believe it. I got a place on this course and um, my, my work were really supportive. And I just went for it. So I'd done it part-time over two years. And from the minute that, you know, I started it and I, my, you know, my interest in magazines just went through the roof. And yeah, that was essentially where it started. Um, so you decided to do it, you know, launch your own magazine? Yeah, basically. When I came out of university, uh, I was looking for jobs in Edinburgh and it's quite hard to find like magazine jobs in Edinburgh because it's quite you know it's obviously quite small we'd went to quite a lot of cool places with uni like excursions down to London and we'd visited some cool magazines down there and I'd been offered internships and placements for some quite cool magazines but my position as a single mum I couldn't take any of them on because it was like I think the the shortest one was like 12 a 12 week placement um, and although they were really mindful that I did have a like a little girl um we tried to make it work and it just it just it would it would have been a stretch too far you know I would have had to have put her in we, we were working out that I could do it over the summer holidays and but essentially she would have had to have been in a holiday club down there for the most part and it's just not it mm. wouldn't have been fair so yeah so in an effort to keep my finger in the pot and you know like my skills and trying to like learn some more about publishing um, I decided to launch She Is Fierce. Um, it's a great name. Yeah. Where does it come from again? Is it Shakespeare? It's a Shakespeare quote, yeah. So it's like, I can't remember why. I just, I really liked it. It's like, though she be little, but she is fierce. Right. Um, so it's, I just, I really liked it. And I, I think it kind of fit with the teenage theme. Mm. And um, yeah, so it, it launched in two, the, sort of the tail end of 2016. And so was this, in a way, the magazine that you wish you'd had when you were a teenager? I think, yeah, I think so. I think as well because at the time when I launched it, Sky would have been like like eight or nine maybe. And she, so she's essentially a preteen. So the magazines that they put out for teenage girls, hmm. teenage girls don't consume those. It's preteens that consume those teenage girls are actually consuming their parents' magazines, like their mum's right. magazines, like women's magazines, which are entirely unsuitable for them. So from obviously having a daughter, I'm seeing her consuming or wanting to buy these magazines, and I think, oh, it's just, like, crap. Like, it really mm. is. It's, like, the only thing that ever drew Sky to a magazine was the plastic 
crap that's yeah. stuck on the front. It's, it's not the actual magazine. It's funny yeah. that, though, because mm. you're like, you know, the magazines now for um, girls are like a fiver, like a fiver mm. pop, and they're printed on the crappiest paper. Mm. The moment they get in the car with it, they've ripped the thing off, meaning that they've ripped the whole entire cover off. There's, you know, they're just really throwaway. They open up the product and it's usually mm. like a watered down nail varnish or something and they never look at the damn magazine That's right. it's not yeah. about the content yeah. they could write whatever they want in there and yeah it's all about the, the, the damn mm. product so so in an effort to kind of make teenagers value print and you know also you know it's hard because I think in the beginning I was kind of testing the water with many things it was just supposed to be like a little project and I put it out to um I started uh, an Instagram and I started a Facebook page and I remember trying to like navigate how to get like followers and stuff and it just kind of organically grew and I started a mailing list really really early on and said you know like this is going to be a collaborative effort. I can't do it all on my own. And I was just really transparent. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but if you want to help me, then, you know, come and help me. And the the mailing list started to grow and the, um, the followers on Instagram and Facebook started to grow and the interest in helping with the mag um, kind of picked up. So we decided to do, like, a really modest Kickstarter. It was, I think initially it was supposed to just be online, yeah, right. it was yeah. actually, and then um, I opened up for you submissions. You couldn't resist the lure of print, so yeah, I think from it was your calendar because, days, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think it was because I got quite a lot of submissions for the f- like my first submission call, which was yeah. uh, fierce. So um, there was, I think, initially there was around about thirty-five people submitted work for it, um, and from that. I, I kind of had the idea, right, those 35 people or however many we decide to print, if I tell them that this is what we're trying to do and then all the girls that we're featuring tell them this is what we're trying to do, then we've got the voice of maybe like 50 people mm. to say, I'm going to be in this magazine, you need to buy it for it to print. Yeah. And that's essentially been the, the way that it's kind of right. carried forward uh, because I have got no marketing budget, so it's all about um, the power of the shout, really. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it started off as a modest Kickstarter. We printed 300 copies on newsprint, like, um, I think it was, like, 46 pages, um, and sent it out to everyone who uh, backed us on Kickstarter. And then, and then from there, decided to level up for the next one. Um, yeah. And sort of... Um, yeah. Try and, and try and produce something that was. Really and that was beautiful. when I sort of became aware of, of of what you were kind of knew all, all along what you were doing because we'd met each other when you were back at Napier. But yeah. um, um, I think when you really started making a splash in the magazine world was at the Magfest, which is the Edinburgh International Magazine mm-hmm. Festival. Yeah. Which was after I think you published the first main issue. Then or it was around I, that time. Yeah, I hadn't done that one yet. That right. was um, I was in production of that one, so I had all of the. I think it was supposed to have printed. I was like way over deadline, right. but um, yeah, I. I but you caused quite a few waves there because you were understandably a bit apprehensive about speaking at this oh very big conference, which you know a lot of people listening to this probably won't have heard of. But in the magazine world, and not just in Scotland but internationally, it's got a really big reputation now. And uh, Hannah was selected as kind of one of the bright sparks of the kind of the next wave of mm. magazine people. 
and um, I cannot. It's not just me that thought this, but you absolutely brought the house down. And, yeah. and actually, I think for, um, I saw the reviews of speakers and, and so on. There were a lot of very experienced speakers there, but your story really hit. Uh, you know, hit the, hit the chord with yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, I was so nervous. I was honestly because I'm like a terrible public speaker as you can probably tell but (laughs) um, yeah I was so nervous and I think there was like over 300 people there and I remember like in the morning being like oh my god I absolutely (laughs) can't do this because I because I had been to MAGFest Mm. for two years previously Mm -hmm. with university and I remember and it was like sitting in front of all my heroes and to actually be up there and speaking was like OMG like what are you doing Um, but yeah I, I had I think eight minutes to to speak and I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. I think I even came down and yes, practiced in front right. of you. And um, yeah, I just kind of went for it and I got the response was so overwhelming. Um, and I think, I think essentially it was because I was quite honest about my like my childhood growing up, and I think it kind of resonated with a lot of people in the audience. Mm. Um, a lot of people who have kids in the audience as well as people reflecting on on their own sort of experience of education Mm. where they kind of you know like you have these these bolshy kids um, you know like they're going about and they're deciding what they're wearing for the day and they come through and they're like mummy daddy look what I'm wearing and you're like oh my god like what are you thinking but then as soon as they go into high school they they had this it's like they they get stripped of all of that and it's all about conformity and not mm. standing out um and and yeah and i think that was i think that's essentially what struck the chord with so many people yes. and it you know doing doing that i've learned that obviously like pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is like incredibly important because mm. um you know i made so many good connections uh, just from doing that that um, had I not done it, I would have been just kicking myself completely. Sure, yeah, mm. yeah. And what you've just described about the kind of standing of your, being yourself and being creative is very much the ethos of, of the magazine. So how, how have you built the, the, the project up since then? Yeah, well, um, so just after MAGFest, um, I got issue one printed and um, that one was still very much aimed at the teenage girls' Uh, audience Um, we mentioned teenagers quite a lot in it and yeah and then obviously sent that so it's basically the way the magazine works is I put it out on social um, I put a subs call call out so every issue runs to a theme so the first theme was Wonderland so I just put out on social you know we're going to be printing an issue and it's this is the theme wonderland you make of it what you will you know i never put a limit on anyone's creativity so as long as we can print it um you know if it's printable then it'll mm. be considered um and you know it was i i didn't put an age limit it was age 14 to you know you could be 100 and want to submit work for it so it was completely fine but as long as it sort of encompassed the the younger sisters, if you like, are, you know, the 14-year-olds, which was really important to me. Um, and then get the submissions in and then it goes out to pre-order. So I just put a shout out and say it's it's up for pre-order now. And essentially, however much I make on pre-orders is what I throw at my print budget. Right. So it's entirely depend how many I print or how, you know, like what 
inks I can use like if I get mm. if I get quite a lot of pre-orders then it means that I can like up my game and like add a pantone color or something or add a foil or you know like I tend to blow all my pre-order budget <laughs> um, rather than like saving it I'm like oh what else can I do um to so, feel creative yeah exactly yeah. just go for it um and then yeah and then it, it so it's, it's really lovely because it's like people take a punt on it mm before they've even seen it yeah. and it's always worked like that so we're four issues in now and it still works like that it's always like you need to order it otherwise I can't afford to mm. print it because um, we've got no advertising um, and yeah so it's just so what, what are the, the, the four themes that you've covered so far and it, you've then developed it into um, what you call a collective as well haven't you? yeah yeah so the so we had Issue one was Wonderland. Issue two was reworked. So we were, um, there was a lot of things for, like people who were like upcycling, um, people who were reworking their life, essentially. There was a lot of people who, we featured quite a lot of women who had come through the corporate sector and then given up at sort of like early 40s right. and decided right. to become like fashion designers or, you know, like furniture makers, um, which was really cool. Then the third issue was probably our most heartfelt issue which was careless where we explored things like personality like introvert extrovert and our most recent issue rebels issue so um yeah so that's uh that's the four of our issues there and um yeah so what's happened is we've actually taken i've taken everybody so everyone who started off with the magazine as i said earlier the um, the mailing list for example was it's called the contributors list because anyone you know it, it, submissions are open to anyone anyone who feels that they want to send something right. in at whatever stage of the game they're at whether mm. they're professional or student or just dabbling in creative industries then everyone is welcome um, I try to print the most diverse range of uh, submissions so from like young people to old people uh, new artists established artists um, and like a cross-section of mediums if you like so I, I started off a Facebook group as well because mm. I thought you know it would be really nice because it's like every time I send out something on the mailing list um, people will just email me back and I think it's really cute because I think they think when when I send an email I'm just sending it to them because I'm oh, quite like friendly nice. in it do you know what I mean yeah. it's actually really sweet so they'll just email me back going oh hi it's nice to see that you're doing this and you know whatever um, so I thought it would be really cool because it was to open that up so that mm. because everyone I know that every, like, the majority of people on my list are so lovely and are really interacting with me that they would do so in a group and it right. means that they can actually like get the attention of other people as well um, so to encourage like collaborations and stuff I thought okay do this like just start a Facebook group so I started the Facebook group which is called the Noisy Girls Club and I think at the moment it's got like 800 women who are working in the creative industries in there and um, yeah so you know everyone who's in is at some stage in the game in the creative industries or small businesses as well mm. they seem we seem to get attract quite a lot of small businesses um, which is really lovely so it's quite interactive and you know people are coming in and ask for advice on like stockists or um like where where can I get some packaging from or where can I get mm. some packaging printed you know who do you use first shipping to you know America it's it's you know there's quite a lot of things going on in there and when people have opportunities they're posting in saying you know I'm 
I'm, I'm wanting to collaborate with a, a t-shirt designer and right. so there's quite a lot of connections being made in the group and then early last year I started to think about putting on workshops in the group as well to kind of help people like level up their hustle if you like um, so we started to do that so we were bringing in people who had started like um, businesses doing delivering workshops mm. so we done Q&As with them over like Facebook Live and invited the members of the group to ask questions as we went along um, and yes we did a couple of them in the group last year and that then got me thinking about uh, like an alternative subscription uh, opportunity which is essentially what is now known as The Collective so The Collective launched in October last year, um, I took on a hundred women um, who all get the they all get the magazines mm. um, as they are printed. They're with us for twelve months, and over the twelve months, they will get a sort of syllabus, if you like, of uh, workshops from industry experts and Q and A's with artists and established creatives to kind of find a bit out about their background and how mm. they've made it um, and they get cheat sheets so with every live we have um, we draw up some downloadable cheat sheets which gives them tasks that they should be carrying out to kind of so that they can um, so that they can put what they've learned into practice um, so it's really interesting because we're now I don't know what five months in and we've had social media um, training, we've had marketing training, we're about to do some mailing list training next week mm. we've had someone in talking about how to deliver Facebook advertising successfully without blowing your budget um, we've had someone in talking about how to balance your hustle because quite often uh, people are doing it alongside something else um, and yeah so we're, it's really exciting we've had mm. really good feedback and the plan is to continue that. So we'll, we'll be taking on another 300 women. Um, so it was 100 this year as the pilot. Yeah, yeah. There will be 300 coming on again this October. They'll be with us for 12 months and we'll... we'll and people exactly. pay to be part of the collective. So this is key because the, the big question is, you know, how do you finance a project like this? It's been challenging for you hasn't it because it's you've been, been juggling a oh like, full time job and yeah so um, up until November last year I was working like full time hmm. and so the magazine hasn't been a regular occurrence it's just been as and when I can get everything together to do it um, and yeah it's been a struggle like I say the pre-orders is something that works it does work because there's four magazines but it is a real real effort to try and get people to pay for something that they haven't seen. Mm. It's lovely that they do, but, you know, it, it doesn't come without its, um, its struggles, I guess, because I, I don't have any funding. Mm. I've never had a, any, like, investment, and so all of this has been done with nothing, essentially. Mm. Um, so the workload was increasing quite a lot last year. There's loads and loads of anyone who runs a magazine will know that there's so many facets to the business and it's you know it's really really intense when you've come home from a mm, day an mm. intense day job 
and then you're having to mum until bedtime and then mm. you're having to sit down at your computer and then yeah. basically start again. Mm. Um, so at sort of summertime last year, I had like a huge burnout. Um, I just thought, what are you doing? You know, like I, I literally like, I just had enough. I just couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't function anymore. There was too much on my plate. Um, so I took a bit of time out to think, you know, where do we go from here? Because mm. your health is suffering, and mm. actually, I was wasn't socialising because I was I, I was working on the magazine all the time, and um, at that point, I did consider giving up mm. because it is easier to have someone who just pays you a wage at the end of the month for doing a job, mm. but um, I guess I've got little eyes on me. Sky is. 12 now and I didn't want to give up because she can see how hard I've worked Mm, like mm. coming through uni and you know trying to get this set up and I've also got because I'm quite transparent with my audience my readers about the hustle that's essentially like the core of the magazine um I want I want to sort of encourage them to really be bold and take leaps and I wouldn't say I'm naturally a bold like you know brave person but you know, I've got all of this sort of, it was pressure. And I thought, well, you know, if you're not going to do it, then, you know, how are you going to persuade other people to do it? And if you don't do it, how how will you know, you know? So I thought, okay, right, what can you do? And it was at that point, that was when I thought about monetizing the Facebook group. Right. Because yeah. I, I was trying hard, because the magazine won't make me money. Hmm. But the value that people are getting from the Facebook group is worth hmm. it. Um, and it was a lot of extra effort to try and organise these lives um, because I wasn't, you know, I, I, I'm not getting paid anything. I wasn't getting paid any money to do them. So so do you see in the future She Is Fierce or what it may be called in the future? Mm. And we'll come on to that. Um, <laughs> being that it's one of those projects where the magazine will probably always remain at the heart of the brand as the calling card, as the mm. thing that pulls everything together. But you'll be able to increasingly monetize it through the collective, through potentially events. Yeah. Possibly merchandise. I don't know what Yeah. It, so that's it. the idea really yeah. is like um what I've learned the hard way is that uh the magazine and magazines don't really make any money because they are essentially It's sub- tragic, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah, it's not fair. It's really crap. because um, they're basically a vessel for advertising. Mm. Um and I don't want my magazine to be available. Was that actually so with you? Was that a deliberate? Was it you just didn't want advertising, or it was just too difficult to get it in? Um, it was because essentially I did want advertising because it would be nice to have some ads in there because it kind of helps to break up the content. But I would be really fussy about the type of advert that I had in there. It would need to fit with the ethos, and I wouldn't mm. want to feed crap to my readers. It has to be, you know, like no beauty for example or you know yeah. things like that i'd yeah, sure, yeah. rather sort of champion independent businesses in mm. there um unfortunately like independent businesses don't really have <laughs> that much money so the first magazine i was doing swaps which was really sweet <laughs> because like i was thinking oh i i did approach some people for mm. ad, like adverts mm-hmm. and they were independent companies like like little bra- clothing brands or mm. homeware brands and they were like oh i really want to do it but i don't have any money so actually what I did for the first one was done a swap for stock. So they maybe had, you know, because what, what they pay for stock is like unit price is a lot less than mm, retail mm. price. So they would give me like, you know, £100 worth of stock 
and I would give them a, like a quarter page ad and then because at that point I was taking the magazine quite often around markets and selling right. through yeah, markets yeah, yeah. and at that point I was selling their stuff on my stalls as mm. well and so that worked out because actually it made my stall really pretty because I had such a variety and I was able to say you know, when somebody wanted to buy, like, Freya's jumper, for example, I'd be like, oh, Freya's actually in the magazine. Do you want the magazine as well? And, um, and yeah, so that worked out really well. And it's something that I, I would like to continue doing something along those lines, but, you know, I'm not sure... I don't really mm. do markets, really, anymore, right. although I've got one on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but, yes, and with actual advertising, mm. um, I had thought about, you know, approaching different companies for that. But because I had a full-time job, I wasn't mm. able to make the calls. Yeah, of course, You know, because yeah. yeah. it's like nobody picks up the phone at 8 o'clock at night. So basically my hands were tied. Mm. And my hands were had been tied for this whole project, essentially. Mm. Um, and the thing that's unlocked it has been launching the collective. So essentially what the plan is for the next year is to run the collective from October mm. and then to next year level up to two collectives so there'll be a starter class and a stage one class okay. I don't know that sounds like not very exciting but we'll think of a better name for it then and then in, in year three we're going to level <coughs> up again so we'll end up having uh, three classes running consecutively mm. so hopefully we'll be able to keep the women in the group um, you know together so it's, it's just, you know so that they're kind of graduating at the same time and coming through because yeah. I really feel that what we've got to offer is massively valuable for um, creatives and small businesses mm. um, and it's really exciting and it's bringing a lot of people and it's really bringing the pages of the magazine to life um, and the event side of things we did oh. an event a couple of years ago um, the Noisy Girls Club, which was amazing. It was the best fun ever. And actually, that was what funded uh, issue three. Right, okay, yeah. So, you know, it's these things that um, I have to I have to be quite creative with how I get my money. Um, so, so have you got any uh, kind of vision in your head of what you might like it to be in the future in terms of is it going to be a, a kind of cottage industry with you maybe working from home but maybe um, working with regular collaborators are you looking to build something bigger are you going to be in some massive tower in Docklands in London or something yeah. in 20 years time with <laughs> a power not. suit on <laughs> um, I think the idea is um, the collective the collective will be like hopefully um quite a quite a polished enterprise um, the magazine so far has been quite it's got a DIY sort of aesthetic yeah. to it so I think we need to kind of pull that up to to kind of meet the readers where the readers are at now because we're, we're definitely not now cat we're still capturing the teenage girls audience mm. um, a lot of parents buy the magazine for their teenage girls um, but we are just capturing women in the creative industries. Essentially, that's yeah. if you if you're if you've got an interest in being creative, then mm. the magazine is definitely for you. Yeah. Um. So we we kind of need to pull the magazine up, smarten it, polish it up a wee bit, mm. um, and so that it, so that it all fits together in one really neat brand package, um, 
I think... And you're looking at the whole package, so it could be she was fierce. It could, it could, you could be moving on to a different name even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really, yeah. like, I definitely want to shake off the, the she is fierce, and I think this is probably the perfect time to do it after four issues, because mm-hmm. it feels quite apt. It's, you know, like spring, summer, autumn, winter almost, and, and saying, okay, well, I've used, that, I've used those four issues yeah. to really sort of... Uh, experiment and and try out new things and everyone has been really really different to the, the you know its predecessor so yeah I just really want to tighten things up now because mm. now I know what I'm doing um, it's I feel really excited for the future and um, there's there's so much uh, that could come from the collective yeah that could really really feed into the magazine as well. Um, so yeah I think what you said earlier was right about the magazine will always be the beating heart of the company but um, we need to branch out because otherwise the magazine is unsustainable without sort of brand extensions coming out there so um, yeah merchandise we've already got the Noisy Girls Club which the merch for that does quite well um, and the noisy girls clubs, which we're hoping to continue, because they were just uh, that was just the best fun. Um, workshops like in real life workshops, like ring making and um, like everything, everything mm-hmm. we could do, you know. Um, so it's really exciting. It's just now because I only gave up my job in November. Yeah. Then I was in production until mid December. So the you know issue four is just printed. So yeah. I'm still you know, working on getting that out there. And I'm just finding my feet with mm-hmm. now having so much time to plan and stuff, and it's really fun. A luxury. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so sometime later this year, you'll be revealing the new look. And I know a lot of people, not just women, actually, a lot mm-hmm. of people in the creative industries will be really intrigued to see the next kind of evolution of, of the project. Yeah. So I'm hoping to get I'm hoping to get everyone who's involved in it already so Mm. everyone on the contributors list everyone who's in the facebook group the noisy girls club facebook group i want to get everyone as involved in that as possible because i I, without them i wouldn't have got here yeah um so and i as i said i've been always been really really transparent about my journey so i think this is something it's like key to the magazine is the fact that i'm quite honest about how hard it is or when good things happen or when Mm. i'm not feeling it um, and I always and it's like we kind of all help each other through it which is really lovely so I want to get people involved in that because um, they are part of it you know and I don't want to lose that so it will be exciting to see um, where it goes from here cause, well loads of luck with it and it's been brilliant you. to talk about magazines Yay. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much Hannah Taylor thank you <laughs> she is fierce and she is one to watch Hope you enjoyed hearing from Hannah and I'll be back again in two weeks' time. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.